Hey, it's Peter here with MyFSHD. Well, here we go again with another episode. We're having a good time. I hope you all are enjoying it. We're getting some good feedback. You know, I'm always interested in some topics. Actually, I'm getting so many topics, but um, it's fantastic. But uh, one thing that's actually cool is I'm getting a lot of the similar topics. So, you know, I'm putting some stuff together. I've met some interesting people recently. Um, you know, I get out a little bit. Uh, but then we're going to have some cool stuff coming up. And uh, and today we got some cool stuff. Today, uh, I'm going to be talking with with you. And what I mean by that is I have a, a friend of mine, um, Brad uh, Hessenjager, who is, you know, he is just like, you know, a lot of you all out there. He is a concerned husband of an FSHDer and father of an FSHDer, and he's just got some questions. And, you know, I, I talk with him a lot. He asked me a lot of questions. Actually, you know, we just have always have good conversations. And I thought this would be good to kind of let you in on one of them. Um, but first, I just want to tell you a little bit. I was up at uh, at uh, the Solve FSHD uh, inaugural meeting. Uh, this is that organization put together by Chip Wilson, um, the Lululemon um, founder. And this was up at uh, Whistler in uh, up north of Vancouver. And a bunch of industry folks, some really cool stuff. I'll be talking about more of that on Saturday. But interesting thing happened. Okay, so so Saturday night, we got squeezed into a small room for dinner um, instead of the big the big ballroom that um, everyone was at. And, you know, I mean, you can't buy your way by everything, right? And uh, why is that? Well, there was a wedding going on. And it was really kind of interesting. So, you know, I was going down the elevator and there's this woman in a wheelchair. It looks like she has FSHD. I don't know. You just can kind of, kind of tell she had kind of had a FSHD sort of smile, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, you know, beautiful, uh, dressed up. And I was, I was thought, okay, must be going to the, you know, to the FSHD meeting. Right. I mean, that makes sense. And it turns out that uh, actually she was going to the wedding. Um, her and her husband were there. But this just lets you know, you know, FSHDers are everywhere. Uh, you know, what are the odds, right? That she she's never met anyone else with FSHD. And she just happened to be at a, at a wedding that was being held at the same site as a meeting of the world's experts in FSHD pharma companies, um, all dedicated to, uh, at least with some dedicated programs to FSHD and such. So I just, you know, give a shout out to my new friend, Miriam. Um, it was great to meet you. Um, we got some, I got a picture we'll post and, uh, you know, we actually invited her and her husband to come in and sit in on some of the sessions, have, a, have, have lunch and, you know, the following day and stick around and I get to see, she got to see firsthand some of the really super cool stuff that is going on in the world of FSHD. But you know, I mean, what are the odds, right? You're going to run in. Well, the odds are actually pretty good because FSHD is everywhere. We all know that. Um, when you get out and about, it was really great to, to see her. Hey, she got it out on the dance floor and, and cut it up too. Um, um, so a few toes may have gotten in the way, but you know, it worked out anyway. So that was, just, it was just something that kind of struck me. I'm going to tell you more about the meeting a little bit. What I can tell you, you know, the main thing is good things are happening. Big things are happening. You know, there's it's a lot of excitement in the world of FSHD. Anyway, for now though, what we got going is I'm going to uh, uh, load up my a discussion. It's not really an interview, just a discussion uh, with Brad. And, um, you know, if, if y'all have questions, you'd like to come on. Uh, you know, I don't really, you know me, I don't really have a format and I'm going to try to talk less mom. Okay. <laughs> I'll try to use mom's advice. Actually, it's too late. Uh, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, I am who I am. Anyway, 
hope you guys like it and uh you know always let me know always looking forward to hearing from y'all and again you know you know give props out to to jagger for our intro music always gets us all fired up and we got special special uh guests here today um with me you know i don't have a guest host today so stepping in that chair is going to be and may, he may become a repeat guest, repeat guest. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. You let me know how it goes. But I have Brad Hassenjager, um with me. And um, Brad is, uh, I guess I would characterize you, Brad, as a concerned uh, husband and father of an FSH, of FSHD in that respect. Um, works for the Nebraska, am I allowed to say you work for the Nebraska yeah. Lincoln? Uh, I work for Link, the city of Lincoln as a fire inspector and fire investigator through the Lincoln Fire Department. And yeah, concern, proactive for my family when yeah, it comes no. to FSHD. Yeah. So I got to tell you, one of the reasons that um, I thought Brad would be perfect for this is because Brad asked me a lot of questions. And I think there are a lot of questions that, that everyone else out there, you know, has and kind of in his position. And I, I appreciate the way that um, you ask questions to me. I appreciate and that you actually you stop me and interrupt me. And make sure you say, no, wait a minute, when I when I'm not talking, you know, scientists sometimes have trouble talking. And, you know, you always, you know, you make sure you understand it when we're done. I thought, you know, that's really good. You know, and, you know, we've sat out, you know, we've all been out to visit a few times and sitting on the patio. And I just think those conversations we have in the early mornings just about what's going on. I thought, you know, boy, I bet a lot of people would like to kind of sit in on that because it's very informative. And so, you know, thank you. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to, to speak with me. I'm glad you asked because I enjoy the conversations with you. They're good for me and my family. Um, and a little bit how I got to meet you. I wasn't really trying to meet you. And guys, we were just talking. I get that I, a lot. <laughs> we, and yeah, because one of my things I was, my, my wife and my son have FSHD. And it was really affecting a lot of life choices and options and opportunities for my son. And I was like, nobody's paying attention to kids with FSHD at all. And yep. all of a sudden I'm looking out for it. And then, and part of me is like, I think we're going to learn something from kids. Maybe I understand eight, nine, 10, there's some risk, but when you get into teenage years, there's some things that are functioning that you can learn. That was my personal opinion. We'll maybe get into that another time. But then Ryan Wobbles was doing a gate mechanics. And I said, can you have youth? He goes, yes, we want youth. And yep. I'm like, finally, somebody's paying attention <laughs> to that. There's actually kids with FSHD. So we go out there, we do it, we enjoy it. And then we were there and he goes, you want to meet, go up to Peter and check? He's like, sure. I, I had emailed you before, but I had emailed everybody that I could across the country, out of the country in other countries, whether they were researchers, whether they were pharmaceuticals, whatever, trying to get information, society people trying to get things going forward. And I met you. What I have found, and I'll share this everybody else, is one, you're often right. You, <laughs> I want um, that in writing. <laughs> yes, you're, you're often right. Um, you, I, A lot of times you will say, "I well, I'm not involved there, but in general, I know this about this. Or you may say, um, like, I'll give you an example of Celeron. You said it may work for a year, but eventually it's not because all it's going to do is build up the fibers, puff them up, make them bigger but it's not adding strength, yep. um, things like that. And so when, when you're, I still contact some others from time to time, but I end up just talking to you because <laughs> I get the best information and it's straight and it's honest. I oh, appreciate that. That's uh, 
No, you know, I know people get busy and stuff, but we try to respond as uh, to pretty much every email or every, you know, pick up the phone. I, sometimes people are surprised I answer my own phone, but uh, I learned so much talking with the community. That's, it's not, it's, you know, I don't look at it as you're pumping me for information. I am turning around pumping you for information. Oh, I am listening to the patient. Yeah. Well, let's think about what's, what's important to you. That's what we need to know. And I feel like sometimes that's actually, there's this assumption on what's important to patients or the community, or the people want to dictate to you what's going to be important to you. And I, I Oh, you just hit a nerve. We'll get it. <laughs> we'll wait a little bit because that's another, but yeah, there's a lot of things I think are more like control the message instead of engage and serve. And that I've got fed up and I've got more on that later, but that really has driven me nuts because I actually feel like somebody, in fact, I've told you, like people have this figured out. Maybe they got to test it. But, well, one of the questions, like, I'll just throw this out there. I ran into a lot of them. They say we're about two to three years from trial. And that was about five, six, maybe seven years ago. There was one guy. I saw his presentation. We were at a family day. It might have been a society event or maybe it was a family, I'm not sure one of those two. And his impression was, his presentation was impressive. In fact, my son saw what the mice looked like afterwards. He goes, I want that. I'm like, I want that. Those mice are jacked. I'm like, they're huge. And I went and talked to him and said, hey, this is really impressive. He says, what I need is large animals, monkeys, pigs. I'm like, pigs? I'm from Nebraska. I have family I have hogs. I can get you pigs. I'll put them on the, you know, and I was being joking with it, but I'm like, if that was what was needed, why are we still two to three years, two to three? And everybody, we're two to three years from trial. I'm tired of hearing it. I want to know when you're going to trial or we can't get this figured out. No, that's a... Uh... Well, you know, and the thing is, you know, I, I know that it's interesting because I've been on the researcher side of that or submitting grants, but, you know, I came started reviewing grants. You see this all the time. So if you give us money and by the end of this two year, we will file our IND with FDA or we will be in trial, you know, and I think that the, I start to think of this as the difference between um, dreaming, you know, and truly having a plan. Because, you know, if you really sit down and plan it out, and so I think there's going to be two things. One, I think just some people just aren't aware of how hard it is to get their stuff to clinic. And then two, some stuff just ain't going to, isn't going to make it, but no one wants to admit that. And I, okay. I would actually say if, you, if you, you need to do, what are the go, no go points that you need to do to decide if this is going to go to clinic? And if it's not, cut it off and, and do something different. And so yeah, they so, know. Do they know or do they just know this works in the lab and it looks really good and it hypes and I get funded that way? Well, I think, you know, so we'll, we'll talk about academics first in the sense that, you know, one way is a way to stay in business. There, there's just some therapies out there that haven't moved for years. You just wonder what the hell is going on, you know? Yeah. Or, or you look at something like antisense, you know, anti first successful antisense experiments were done by Alexander M. Belyev um, back in 2010. And we were doing actually antisense in 2010. We worked with... Um, Genzyme Santa Fe back there. Um, yeah, we first got to BBRI like 2011. You know, so okay, that you've had, you know, it works in the cells. You know, it works in mice. Here we are, 2022. You know, we haven't had an antisense trial. What's what's up with that? You know, we have it exactly we're two two to three years away. I mean, two to three years for the past 12 years. So I don't know what the issue. You know, now I suspect. And again, I'm not an insider. I have not. I don't consult for any companies, and I we actually don't do antisense in my lab. So. I'm just, so my, my vision of it is just, you know, what I suspect, but, you know, there's a big difference between cell culture and mice and a big difference yeah. between mice and people. And I suspect there's, you know, toxicology issues do and dosing issues. And that's what you see in some of these pharma 
um, some of these uh, clinical trials for other neuromuscular diseases. I mean, they've had, so you could say, look, we've had success in, in, for some of these therapies in OPMD. Well, that's just injecting a little bit into the eye. Or in SMA, well, you're injecting into this, you know, very special part, you know, just the, the flu, CNS fluid, right? Yes. Um, or, well, yeah, anyway. Um, you're, you're, it's very different than systemic treatment you know, and now in Duchenne trials, you need to inject that systemically and, you know, with some antisense, but the antisense that they inject is much lower dose than what's needed because FSHD is very different. So I suspect, I don't know, that the concerns are with dosing um, for FSHD, an efficacious dose for FSHD that's safe. Now, so it could just be a technical thing that they're working out, they're getting better at what they do, and they're just hopeful because two to three years, you can always be two to three years away. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I know, and it's so it, they're not really two to three years. They're like, if everything goes well, we could be in trial in two to three years, but we don't have a clue right now. We got to figure this out. Is that more appropriately the answer? I'm not trying to be derogatory, but no, no, I'm after... just, I, you know, I don't think that people are disingenuous when they say that. Um, okay. not everybody. Um, I think some people okay. may be, but, um, you know, you really okay. may be in your best. You say, if everything goes according to plan, we're going to be in trial in two to three years. And then you you put it into your non-human primate, and you see that it um, has a horrible tox profile, and you say, "Oh crap! You know, we gotta we gotta go back to the drawing board and try it again." And then part of that is just you know doing doing the right thing. Um, but that's why I hate to give dates. You hate to say we're gonna have something by this date, and you think when you get close and say we'll be there in a few months, which sometimes you end of the year. It seems now even even close. Sometimes you're getting this you know in the yeah. few you know, we're going to be in trial. And, uh, and then some of these companies just disappear. And again, maybe that's better than going to clinic um, with something that's, that's no good. Um, but it's, it's tough. I, I don't know. It's, it's complicated. It's not, it's not a good answer, but I think a lot of it is people just want to keep you, uh, keep everybody excited, keep everybody interested. But I, I think the opposite happens. I think you stop listening. Yes. Yeah. My son is like, I really don't care about any of these other, the move that all that. Give me some of the stops ducks for, I don't, I'm not in I'm tired of He's, he's 19 and he's already tired of all the hype and he can pick up. This is BS. Somebody's trying to get, I'm done with it. And you kind of let in a little bit to one of my other questions. I watched the webinar where they announced the fulcrum lost map of mod results. Yep. The purpose of the phase two was to stop ducks for. Yep. Um, it's a drug that's had a history and I'm not knocking it. it. We know it's safe because it's been in trial for COPD and I think something with liver and something for uh, anxiety and there's a baby heart. And so, and it's never worked for those, but I'm I, assuming they adjust it, tweak it, whatever they do. They go in, our objective is stop ducks for them. Like in the first paragraph, they found some real early. They said, we did not stop ducks for and yep. then they went on to about an hour long webinar. I don't know how long it was. And I was like, why are we still going? The objective was Ducks 4. Ever since I've been involved, the objective is stop Ducks 4. And so I figured it's done. And now they're going to a phase three. And I'm like, why? Yeah. The objective is stop Ducks 4. We don't. And so now we've got other drugs wanting to go to trial. I got two questions on this. I'll ask you the first one because I won't forget the second one because that's the one that really gets me fired up. Why? How can you fail at your objective in a trial and go on to a phase three with a different stated purpose, maybe? Yeah, I think uh, a number of people are asking that question. And again, we're not part of these discussions and we're not right. knocking anything, but that is a bit of a surprise. 
Uh, I'm not sure how often the FDA does this, but they essentially allowed them to change the goalposts, right? They said, basically, here's the rules for the game. You lost, and now we're going to change the rules for the game. And and almost like retrofitting it for um, yeah. what they know from what they learned from the first trial to say, oh, well, if you look at these endpoints, then you, so now they're going to meet their endpoints. Chances are, I, I would predict, I don't know. I mean, I actually don't know, but based on what appears to be that they said, you know, what what did we find that where did we find some sort of measurable effect and now we'll use that as our new endpoint and completely ignore that the drug is supposed to act through um shutting down ducts four right that's i think the case they made if i understand it is they're saying well we don't know if it shut down. we we couldn't tell we so so they went into the trial saying we can detect ducts four accurately and we will be able to detect a decrease in ducts four then they didn't detect a decrease in ducts four and they said Oh well, that's because we can't detect ducks four, and we cannot accurately measure it, and we would not be able to, which kind of is a bizarre sort of. <laughs> can we can we can we measure, test, observe ducks four? Is there a way to do that? Well, so this becomes kind of a way. So you know, there. So I guess there are two different ways to look at this because, you know, until you've got something that you know knocks it down, how do you know if so? So in their defense, you could say, well, you know, maybe you know, maybe they can't detect it. And that's what they would argue. They, they, they would just say you can't detect the, the, the decrease because it's so variable. Um, and so, and, you know, you can, I guess that's what, what they're saying. I, I you would say- in lab, haven't you? I mean, in, in your oh, yeah. you see, okay, well, I know that I'm making a jump because I don't understand this part. You can see it in a lab. How come you cannot find a way to take what you see in lab and see it in human body, biomarkers? Oh, but, but you right? can. You can't. That's the thing is that there's a paper. If you look at the the Wells, the Seattle Wellstone, Leo Wang published a couple of papers using MRI guided biopsies at longitudinal study that showed you can detect the ducts for downstream targets from muscle biopsies that correlates with severity as you go along. And it's a great study and shows that, yes, you can detect the, the amount of ducts for. Yes, you can detect the downstream targets of ducts for much better than ducts for itself. Actually, you detect they really looked at. You know, Dux4 is, so what, you know, Dux4 is a factor that turns on other genes. And so yeah. even though it is so low, you can look for the, you look for the downstream effect, which is the activation of these other genes that are much easier to detect. And you can see the Dux4 signature in muscle from FSHD patients. You can see it even very early, even before you see pathology, you can see the signature start to come up and it increases with severity. Um, and this is the this is the signature that was, so actually yes you can detect it in biopsies from FSHD patients correlates with um, progression and severity and so I would say that's the signature you were looking at that's what you did did fulcrum use that that as far as my understanding is that's the signature that they, that was used um, now they're going to say well there's so much variability between individual there's variability but yeah. what I would say is, there could be variability. Let's say, let's say you take, we'll, we'll use two different examples. Okay. Let's say you take um, five biopsies from a muscle today. You could predict that all, you know, for other diseases, all five of those would look pretty similar. For FSHD, you might get a different level of ducts four in each one of those five biopsies. And then if you took five more a year from now, you might get totally different ducts four as well. And I understand that's what they mean by variability. However, I would argue that if you have something that shuts down ducks for all that variability should go to zero. 
eventually. And, and that, that's what I think. I think will, go to will it all go to zero, or will it kind of vary over time? And I mean, can you see that in a year? Well, for ducks four, but see, so ducks, you know, you're talking about this is standard gene regulation. Okay. So ducks four is a gene. It gets activated. We don't know how it gets activated. No one knows how P38 supposedly regulates ducks four. So that P38 is what the Lasmopamod is supposed to block. So it's supposed to block. There's a signaling pathway. A signal activates P38. That is a kinase that somehow leads to Dux4 being expressed. If you block that pathway, Dux4 is not expressed. That's immediate. That is real time. You add it. I mean, yeah. you, you should. <laughs> and these. So, so the idea is I, I would predict you to be able to see this in, in, in less than a week. Oh, really? Okay. So, it, all right. I didn't know if you were atrophying and you were having to if it would be hard, it would take time to not see the Dux4 is not impacting and damaging. I mean, look, think of it as a light, a light bulb. You yeah. now flip the switch, the, no electricity going, the light bulb turns off. You know, light bulb is going to be warm for a while, but if any, you know, how long is it, you know, so, so this idea that, you know, but the idea that the levels, yeah, the levels are highly variable um, in individuals and at, at different points in time. But if you truly have something I mean, I guess I would say, let's say, let's say you have um, 100 light bulbs and they're all at a different watt and they're all at a different set on the dimmer switch and everything's there and there's huge variability and just it's maybe Christmas lights going all over the place. Yeah. On and flashing here, there, 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 there. And you say, and you take a picture and you say, gee, every picture is different. But then you pull the plug and you take out the electricity, it goes to zero. Yeah. Guess what? <laughs> it doesn't matter the variability. Okay. It goes to, I it follow. should go to zero. That, that makes sense because, um, and first of all, I'm not complete. I mean, in my mind, at, at best, and I want to clarify this, and some people may be like, oh, I'm out of here. I don't know. If you're newly affected, mildly affected by FSHD, it sounds like this drug may work or help maybe for a year or two. They don't know. Maybe. So, but most people with FSHD aren't newly affected that I know. I mean, my, from what I gather newly, they're not mildly affected. So, I'm back to the fact that the, well, one, the objective was cure by 2025. But if I understand and do the math correctly, the only way that part happens is a drug that actually stopped ducks for and worked had to go to trial last year for it to get through all the processes and reviews and everything and go to market. So that one went out the window. So last year it went to, after the phase two, said they didn't stop ducks four and then it, i understand it gets changed to cure or treatment which i'm not interested <laughs> i'm not interested because I'm gonna, here's my concern i ask all this stuff not to bash on fulcrum or loss map but you hit one and we were talking about academia and studying research we need a drug that stops ducks four and anybody else that is excited right now and promoting and pushing it i am infuriated at them because that is not going to do any good for my wife or my son, or all the other people that we've met at society meetings. Some of these people are having to ch just change jobs. They cannot do the career they've done forever. So they take a different job, doesn't make, but there's a lot of different options that they're not able to take. And we need a drug to stop Ducks 4. So if I understand correctly, as I've kind of been involved, drug companies, when they get ready to do a trial, bring it, they don't take everybody. Nope. They generally try and take, we'll call it the better physical patients, those less affected, those that are things like that. You want people responding to treatment, most likely to respond to treatment. Right. So 
and will respond fairly quickly because they don't want to take forever to spend time on. They are we getting results or not? They want. So guess who's going to have the best candidates? I think because they're in trial is going to be Fulcrum. Good for them. <clears throat> Good for those that newly affected, mildly affected. But if a company and there's a bunch of anti-sense and others that are talking about, well, they were talking about going to trial last year. That didn't happen. So I don't know what's going on there. But if somebody has a Ducks Four gene or drug that works that stops that gene. Can we even go to trial now? Have we just yeah, stopped so, any progress to Ducks Four because we're pushing lost map? So, you, so you've you touched on so that you touched on a couple of things. Okay, so so I think what so well, I'll step back for a little bit. So you know what I think what Fulcrum would say, and people um, they're going to say, well, they don't know if they shut off Ducks Four or not. So they would probably disagree with you and say that we we don't know. I would say they this don't. Thing have they any said in the webinars, we did not stop Ducks Four. That yeah, was their no, exact I, know. I would say they, they don't have any evidence that they did. And okay. I would say, and I don't know a single scientist that looked at that data personally, unaffiliated scientist that thinks that that shut down ducks for. Okay. But they're going to say, but we did get therapeutic benefit. And so you got therapeutic benefit and whatever little percent of preventing fat fraction or something. And, and anyway, so they could say a little bit of reachable workspace maintained and these types of things. And so you got therapeutic benefit. And so they're going to say, well, Therapeutic benefit is better than no therapeutic benefit. They don't know how they're getting therapeutic benefit. And so there, there are ways in the literature that everyone's aware of where blocking P38, would, you know, so P38 is involved in driving the dystrophic phenotype, basically muscular dystrophy pathology okay. in a number of different muscular dystrophies, nothing to do with Dux4. P38 activation has been found. And I mean, you go to, you can go to mouse models Already kind of get into a little sciencey, but you go into some mouse models for other diseases, and if you block p thirty eight alpha activation like you do with Osmod mod, you improve the muscular dystrophy phenotype totally independent of Dux4. Everyone's got it's kind of like prednisone; it, it delays the disease a little bit. And so the argument could be delaying the disease is better than nothing. Okay, and that that may be what what the idea is. I, I think wonder. for a smaller percentage, that may be a good. And I'm not knocking them. I'm thinking of the full gist of the people I come oh, across. No, no, I was gonna, you know, no, okay, you, I'll shut up. You keep going. Well, no, because you're <laughs> on the second point. It gets into your second point, right? Because your second point is um delaying the disease is better than nothing, but it's not what it's not the it's not the goal, right? We want you want to no. shut down. And so the concern would be are you clogging up the clinical trial network? Yes. Um, you know, we keep hearing from the society that. And, and they're acting correct in saying that we need more people, you know, you need a lot of people for clinical trials because a lot, most, most of the individuals that uh, volunteer for clinical trials are going to be denied, frankly. Right. You have to fit a very narrow, you have to fit a certain, even though it looks like broad criteria, they're going to be very picky on who they let in the clinical trial. And frankly, I think every, all the different clinical trials are probably going to want the same people. Right. So, so if you get a thousand people, it doesn't mean you're going to use up that thousand and just divide them among the trials. That thousand people is going to give you a hundred and everyone wants that hundred. And all of those hundred are going to go to the fulcrum trial, which is just ameliorate, you know, short-term amelioration of the symptom potentially. Again, we don't know what do you have to have a hundred. Do you have to have a hundred then? I mean, the reason I'm saying if I'm, if I'm ABC pharma and I've got a drug, drug that stops ducks four, can I pick three or four people Test them and say, look, I stopped Ducks 4. The rest of y'all can keep doing what you're doing, but I need I need trial space so I can really cure this. Can you do so, something like that? 
So you're, you're ahead of your time. I gotta tell you, because, <laughs> you know, well, no, because actually what is, you know, and I, you know, I don't want people to, you know, get, get misunderstand this, but there is something called an end. So there's two things to run a normal kind of drug trial. You need, you know, it has to be properly powered because of, right. FSH, because of FSHD and it's variability of presentation, slow progression. You kind of need a larger trial. That's why they did 40 and 40 for 80 people. Not clear that that was powered even enough, but it felt, you know, you have to say what's what size effect can you see in the length of time with the treatment to know whether or not your drug's working. And there's so much variability. So that's why you go with these higher powered and then the 230 for the phase three. Um, but depending on the treat, you know, a gene therapy trial is probably only going to be, you know, probably less than 10 people, you know, okay. quite honestly. And there's something called an N of one trial meaning an individual personalized trial. There is such a thing that FDA in certain circumstances is saying, you know, um, it comes down to some sort of funding and there's different technologies that can be done, but there's something called an N of one trial that's being done in some of the other muscular dystrophies where essentially a clinical trial for you. And, um, okay. and yeah, I told they, you for a long time, my family come out to your house. We'll just bend over and take it right now. Oh, I know you like send a <laughs> syringe in the mail, just unlabeled, you know, just bend, bend, bend people over and give, um, yeah. let's go, and, you know, it's, uh, um, <laughs> no, there's, there's something to that. Uh, no, you can never, you know, you understand that this, I, no. I know we're kind of joking around, but, um, but, but conceptually the idea of, you know, the idea has been. In some of these, you know, sort of like normally in diseases that are might be considered fatal or, you know, that has been where it's been where you don't have another option. So you can try a highly experimental th treatment because it's not going to we're not going to really make you worse. I mean, right. You know, and that, that's a little bit of an issue with FSHD is there's a concern that everyone says, oh, well, you know what, you're going to live your normal lifespan. So, you know, you're not, well, quality of life. Exactly. You live a normal lifespan, but you watch everybody else live. You exist. There's a huge difference and they don't get that. Yeah. Your heart's beating and you're breathing, but you're not living. And I say living, you're alive, but you're, you're just existing. And you're, and like I said, there's things, I mean, I have a couple, couple goals. My goal is I want to go bike riding with my son again. I want to go for a hike with my wife. And those things are out of the question right now. It's an impossibility. Yeah. Um, and those are simple things just to be able to get outdoors and do some things. My son got into his high school years and went from being real athletic to watching everybody else run. And he would just kind of have to stay at the car or stay on the beach. And yeah. that was his high school experience was in existence. That's not his personality. It's not his drive, but that's all he could do. Um, and there are things that as a young man or a young woman, but in his case, young man, not just want, not that you just want your kids to have fun. But there are things that you learn and you grow through experiences in youth that are really valuable and important that he kind of, he didn't really, he did the best he could, but he couldn't do all that. Kind of missing Those out. things yeah. have to end. Those things need to end. No, absolutely. No. That, that, so, you know, I think that this is, this is kind of the, you know, the mentality I would say, you know, that I've appreciated from the solve FSHD idea is, um, I think that taking a bigger picture approach, that's the thing that the, the organization Chip Wilson has started up in Canada. Yeah. And, um, that, you know, taking a, a, you know, this is what I kind of mean when I think there's a difference between, um, you know, dreaming or hoping for a cure, you know, just figure, well, we'll just kind of keep funding and kind of plugging along and hope things kind of go versus really, um, 
really getting into it and doing it right. And, you know, it takes actually both, you know, what kind of sounds like we're knocking pharma and knocking academics, everybody's no. an idiot except for us, right? But uh, exactly. that's not the case. No, that's, <laughs> no it, it's hard. I, I'm just trying to point out it's hard. And I do think there are mistakes that are made. And I do think you get invested in certain approaches and it becomes more important to maybe to follow that, continue that investment than to actually, um, it's hard to kind of sometimes stop and say, you know what? This isn't going anywhere, you know, and even in best case scenario, where is this going based on the data? You know, best case scenario, if you are doing a short-term amelioration of disease, that may, that's better than nothing, but that's not going to get your kid riding a bike. That's not going to no. help your wife get out of her wheelchair, you know. No, and you're, you're hitting the nail and I'm, I'm not against pharma, I'm not against research, but when you hear we're two or three years from trial. And nothing ever happens. And we got all these drugs that were going to stop ducks for the anti sense last year, and nothing happened. And now we have a drug that doesn't stop ducks for their stated purpose. It provides a minimal benefit, and I'm not against them going on. But who's looking out for us, the family members and the people, the patients that are affected, when there is something? If there's something that comes along in another year, while fulcrum has sucked the oxygen out of the room, or the patients that are available because even if you're physically capable you kind of have to live close to the clinical trial network to be able to get there for the most oh, part yeah. there's there's limitations so now it's almost like this stops progress to stopping ducks for for about a year right. and that infuriates me and there's nobody that is a patient advocate saying wait a minute this is a bad idea we need to maybe go forward so but don't take all these people out of the out of the ducks for Stop so, so I, think, I think there's two things about this. Okay. First off, um, we would, I anticipate that there's about 40,000 people in the U S and I can't remember the population of Canada, but maybe about 8,000 people in Canada, seven there um, that have FSHD. Okay. Let's say, and again, I think it's underdiagnosed. A lot of people don't have it. Let's okay. just use a round number and say there's 50,000 people, you know, kind of available um, now you're going to say anybody under 18, they're not going to take for reasons we can talk about later. Anybody over 65, evidently, they're not going to take. So now you're narrowing it down. Then you're going to have certain mobility factors, right? That you're going to say, okay, we need people that have to be able to stand up on their own. So that narrows it down. Then you need people that some people aren't affected enough, right? Because you have to see therapeutic benefits. Yeah. And so you just now, you, now you're just kind of your funnels coming further, further down. And so then the question is, you know, who are these people? Where are, do they want to be in a trial? I mean, I've, you know, everyone talks about, oh, it's almost like they make the case that it's your duty. I actually being in a trial, especially if they're taking biopsies and, and, and you, you never know. I'm mean, being in a trial is a personal decision. Being in a registry is a personal decision, but at the end of the day, it's a numbers game for patients. You got to have a certain number of, yep. of people that are genetically defined, that are in the registries that are able to that are willing to participate in clinical trial and are in that select group that are going to be chosen for clinical trials and so now you've whittled your 50 i don't know what the number would be but you're, you're you're getting down there to the people and then the other thing is now the question is going to be have you are you in a trial right and so or or yeah. were you in a trial because i'm not really sure i think if i'm thinking of running a trial do i want someone that's been in another trial or do I want a new, a friend? Because I don't know what that trial did to you. I don't know. And I don't know if that's going to be a confounding factor. People talk, well, you just wash the drug out for a few weeks or something. Well, I don't know what that drug did. Or what, what if it's a, an antisense that's in your body for a year? What if it's a stem cell that somebody injected that God knows what, what that's doing? 
So, so now you're just saying, okay, you, you're going to have to choose your trial, you know, well, so you're not contaminating you're exactly right. I talked to the, guy, the smaller groups. So I got it, but he's also he's pretty involved with the pharma end. He's not a pharma guy, but he's pretty involved. And he was like, what you just said, he's like, he wasn't guaranteeing at all that if you're in a trial and then a ducks for, and you want to go to that one that you could get in, even if you're a really good candidate, he's like, eh, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit thinking that your drug is going to screw up my drug and I've got too much invested in this. I'll exactly. go find somebody else is kind of what he was leaning. Yeah. wasn't a guarantee because it's not an, it's not a black and white. I need to look at the circumstances, but yeah. So, well, I mean, people don't know. So no one can, no one can promise you. People will always say, can you get me into a trial? And the answer is no, I can't. And no one can. The, the pharma company that runs the trial is going to decide their inclusion and exclusion criteria. Um, and then they can decide whether or not, and I've tried to ask, no one wants to go on record. The question would be, will you, are you going to take people that have been in another trial? And I think, I, I think that it, it could, maybe it's a numbers game because and I think, you know, this is where um, I agree with the FSHD society. I don't always agree with them, but, you know, that, you know, it is important to increase the number of available candidates for clinical trials, because ideally you're going to want people in, that have not been in previous trials. In my opinion, that's how I look at it. And unless, because because I just worry that the FDA, what if the FDA came back and said, you ran your trial and said, well, yeah, but a third of your people were on this other trial, you know, a year ago. And, and, um, you know, they weren't evenly distributed in, in your, you know, and what could that be? Could that kill your trial? I, I, I don't know. I, I'm under the impression that you're safer having people that weren't in a previous trial, especially depending on what that trial was. And we don't know what that trial did to you. And so you got to get enough people. So now, you know, they're talking about having um, four. I, I heard in the 360 event I went to a month ago. So well, there's going to be four new trials coming in the next year. You know, what's the math on that? If you need, is that going to be? I heard that last people? year though, too. Well, I know that they said they say that next year, probably. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to make fun, but I mean that, but no. if you just do the math, how many people do you need to man, man these things, identify people? I think that's why there's a big effort to kind of identify people, but it gets back to what you're saying is you got to make sure you got the best stuff going forward. You kind of, I said that last time, a little bit sarcastic about they said that last year because I obviously it's, it's kind of hard to daily interact with a whole lot of people with FSHD or understand it because it, it's rare. But if we keep having stuff that goes to trial and doesn't work, that's fine because we don't expect everything to work. But now we're pushing on a drug that doesn't stop ducks for, and there's always stuff coming. There's always stuff coming. We're going to, well, we're not going to cure by 25. We're going to, Pretty soon, people are like, "When you guys get this figured out, let me know because I'm tired of being jacked with." Oh, I, no, I, I, get this. I think we're getting to that point. At least I don't know what percentage of the population, but that's not good for us as a patient movement going forward, trying to get this cured. It's not just whining, fussing, or frustrated, but it's going to be hard to convince even the FDA or farmer that we got a lot of motivated people where oh. they're like. Well, so I guess to, to me, I guess my issue is, and actually I don't have an issue so much with, with fulcrumalismopamod. My issue has been the way that it's been portrayed. I mean, I look on Facebook, I don't go into some of these Facebook groups, but I just, you know, I have most of my friends actually at Facebook are yeah. FSHDers because I don't have any, <laughs> don't get out much, <laughs> you know, well, I mean, it's just how it is, you know, that and, uh, and, uh, 
people looking for for well i won't tell you get some interesting friend requests i gotta tell you maybe probably, probably just catfishing but but anyway um you know, like almost dancing in the street with the results coming out, you know, and they it's done cross the finish line. And it's just like, and, you know, I think there's always, oh, we don't want to dampen enthusiasm. I, I think false hope, or I think overinflating. So I think you just have to say, this is how, this is kind of what we wanted to do with the podcast. This is how it is. This is what the data says. This is the expectation now going forward. If you want to be in the trial, great. Knock yourself out, go on the trial. Understand that you may not be in the next round. That's fine. Because the next round might, like you said, might be five years from now. I don't know. It could be next right. year. I mean, it actually could be six months from now. We, you know, there, there's stealth. There are stealth FSHD programs that people don't really know about. Not everybody's out there broadcasting that they're working on FSHD. I can Seems tell like you that. the smartest way is keep, if you got something good, as sad as it is to say this, it seems like better off just keep your mouth shut so nobody sabotages it or interrupts it. Or I, I don't know. That just it almost seems that way. And I'm not trying to be negative. No, there's negative. actually been there. Rumor has it there have been trials outside the U.S. on some things that maybe people don't know about. Um, you know that that you know obviously didn't work. Or you'd know about it. Um, okay. You know, so, I mean, there's, you know, you don't have to do everything high profile in the U.S. There are some companies have large networks and large things around. And you can, you can get things. Now it makes you wonder, what are they measuring? How well was it done? I got to say that the clinical trial research network here, I think it's a great idea. It's independent. I don't think people realize that. Um, it's funded by a lot of different things. And, you know, the goal of that is to figure out how best to measure efficacy in FSHD trials, because it is still kind of a question. And part of the problem gets back to the first thing is, you know, uh, is it because we can't, I believe we can measure ducks for honestly, I have to, to the okay. signature. Um, but until you have something that actually works and shows that it goes down, that's going to be a question. Um, I, I have my own reasons for questioning some of the stuff that's out there. Um, you know, we, we do a lot of things in our lab that I guess I'm, I'm not going to necessarily go about, but, um, you know, it's, you know, we, and we have our own therapeutic approaches. And I'll tell you, we're, we're, we're a couple of years away from clinic. <laughs> so don't, oh, don't great. kill me. Here we man. go again. <laughs> don't kill me. But, but 2020, you know, 2044, here we go. So. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, I think we're realistic about it, but, but I understand what you're saying because I, I'm trying to think, you know, nowadays I'm, I'm, I'm immune to it now too. I've, I've heard what anti, we're going to have all these anti-sense going to clinic God, it, seemed, it really does seem like it was like four years ago and then yeah. just constantly some drop in, some drop out, new ones coming. I love that. I'll tell you the good news. Here's the good news. There are still companies, it means good news and bad news. There are still companies getting into the FSHD space, new companies, new technology, getting into the FSHD space. And what that tells me is two things. One, that tells me that they, they don't necessarily believe that anyone else has beaten it yet. Yes. Maybe you can say that's bad news, but two, it means that they think it's worth it. They still think it's worth investing in and they think their technology, whether it's antisense or small molecule or gene therapy or whatever, there's a whole bunch of different approaches and new technology coming in. They think that they can be. So it is still viewed widely viewed in the neuromuscular disease space as a disease that we can cure. That is actually, that is, that is how pharma looks at it. That is how I think academics look at it. This is a disease we can cure. And I don't know a lot of people are buying that we, the cure is out there yet, you know? And I, I agree with you because I would say five, seven years, there was nothing. There was, okay, we got a target. There was some excitement. 
And then all of a sudden there was one company, Acceleron. And that was exciting, actually. But I think you kind of you kind of skim and search, and there's quite a few companies that are coming into it. Like, all right, people are getting involved. They're getting after it. Things, things are coming. I think we're going to have a cure. Like I've told you before, I I think you've got to figure it out. I don't know it because I'm not in the lab, but I'm like, I think, I'm like, dude, quit messing around. Let's just go <laughs> forward. Because you, I'm going to ask you this. And yeah. I, I'll have enough. Well, I've got for me. I want to double check. I want to ask you this before we move on. I don't want to, I'm not here to bash. I know it sounds like a, when I, if I'm bashing, it's because I want the focus to stay on stopping ducks four and yep. don't plug up the clinical trial network. So we can't get an anti ducks four drug in there. If the fulcrum drug helps you and helps that certain, I believe it's a smaller percentage. I want those people to have it, but I don't want to stop anything from getting to market that can stop ducks four. That's my whole premise. What's the difference between the fulcrum results and the antioxidant trial that was done and the albuterol trial? I tried really hard to get my son to do albuterol a few years ago, and he just wouldn't go because, and I, so I'm kind of familiar with it. I'm not a, not a researcher, not a scientist, but I, as they went through some of the drop in the fat and the slow progression, I'm like, that sounds like albuterol so to me. So it's, it's interesting. And if you check out the Alexandra Belly um, podcast that we did a little while ago, yeah, she, she yeah. You know, brings this up as well, is that it's very interesting that similar results were obtained. So again, antioxidants, albuterol, these are not affecting ducts for, these are just treatments or mechanisms to improve muscle health or basically slow down progression. That's the idea, improve muscle health. We know, you know you're bailing the boat out faster you know, or you're kind of plugging, you know, you're not plugging the hole, but you know, you're just kind of, so, so they're not affecting ducks for nobody really believes that, it, it, you know, um, you know, so, uh, well, or maybe you are actually in the antioxidant for sure you aren't, uh, you know, there's, you know, the idea of, um, yeah, it's not really clear on this, but, but regardless, the point is that um, there was some benefit. And at the time, everybody kind of, eh, such small benefit, who cares, right? Right. Well, Alexandra pointed out that what's well, the same amount of benefit we're seeing with the uh, lesmapamod. Okay. Everybody's jumping up and down and saying, Hey, look, look at this. And you know, the same people actually that were bagging on the antioxidant trial that showed some improved muscle health and uh, uh, you know, maybe some different metrics, some different things, but in the end it was minor, but you know, there was some benefit, you know, I take antioxidants. I can't be a bad, I'm not an MD, so I'm not allowed to give medical advice, but you know, just based on just general, biology people feel like the antioxidants aren't a bad thing and um yes yeah, so, you know i think the albuterol story maybe is, is still out it's uh it was underpowered if i understand correctly and they felt like they didn't really get a conclusive result but it, i don't think it closed the door on it and um i think these are things that might actually uh re-emerge and so now it gets back to the idea of um combinatorial therapies and this is also what does what that I like. mean well so this is also what i mean about the ace 83 right I mean, so let's say you, so there's two S. One is shut down ducks four. You have to stop right. the destruction. The other is get your muscle back, right? So if you took your, your son or your, your wife and you said, you're not going to get any worse, that ain't good enough, right? Right. So some people, that's better than getting worse. It's better than getting worse, but it's still not good enough. So, so combinatorial might be the treatment A is going to shut down ducks four and treatment B is going to help you build up your muscle again. 
when you say you combinatorial, know. you're talking about a cocktail in, is that what that is? Yeah, kind of essentially, or, or potentially it could be a gene therapy that shuts down ducts for, and then something to build back muscle cell therapy or some of these treatments, or it could be an anti-sense that shuts down ducts for, and maybe you have to boost the system to get back muscle. Now, if you have good. a muscle cell, you can add muscle if, well, not that simple, but there's, there's, there's the real, real potential there, right? Well, so I, I think if you shut down ducts four and you stop the progression, that really to me is goal number one. Right. And goal number two is to get your muscle back. Now it's kind of interesting because I was talking with Chip Wilson and about solve FSHD and he has a little bit different perspective on this. Well, that would be great to shut down ducts four, but, but could you, could you overload the system because we know most of your cells are healthy, you know, you don't, you know, could, could you beat the system without shutting down ducts for by really overloading and getting your muscle back, not through, not through um, antioxidants, not through diet, not through, you know, albuterol or anything like that, or ACE 83, but more of a cell therapy or some of these other kind of muscle building approaches that are being used in the military. So maybe some, some types of stem cell, you got to get confused. There's two different types of stem cell therapy. All right. One is immunosuppression. The other is building. But anyway, you know, this mentality of, so that would be another approach would be, I'm not a big fan of that. I got to tell you, um, because I still worry that about if you don't shut down ducks four, what's going to happen. Don't you but, just you know, give ducks four what, more targets? Sorry. What was that? Don't you just give ducks four more targets? Cause if you, if you have muscle and you go out and exert yourself, it seems like ducks four is then released because it's like, hey, we got inflammation. I got to go fix it, so, so to speak, so and it getting, goes and it atrophies the muscle. So, so, so you're getting at the actual right because people, I think there's a little misunderstanding, right? So you're saying, well, if it took me 20 years to get to where I am, or it took me 60 years to get to where I am, just pump me back, you know, inflate the ball back up and let the slow deflation go again. But, the, but you're not, you're not starting at the same place, and you're exactly right. Is that? you already have some pathology. So instead start, start, start of a healthy muscle that slowly becomes unhealthy or diseased, right. you have now a diseased muscle and you're going to add a whole bunch of healthy stuff back to that and hope that it's the same sort of progression. It could be that it actually just goes really fast back bad. You know, have it you could be that, that in the lab? We're, we're testing that actually. Okay, you are, you're testing it now. Okay. Well, that's that's actually a great use of the of the animal models would be to say, in my mind, now again, you know, animal, I mean, you can't just start, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. Maybe some people, it's possible, some people are injecting things into themselves or by other people um, to try to do this. And you might say, well, well, I'm just saying, you know, you just, yeah. you know, you can go to different countries. We know some people have gone to different countries to try. Yes. You know, people are, well, you know, more than anybody's people are desperate. Yeah. Let's go. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm sitting here. I wouldn't say I'm healthy, but I don't have FSHD. <laughs> you never no, know. And, people, but well, yeah, because like, you know, it's a different it's a different point of view. Right. So it's easy for me to talk and say, yeah, that's crazy. Hey, that's stupid. Hey, you don't want to do that. You know, if you're in a way, I mean, you, 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 if, if I had FSHD, if I think if I was your wife, well, for, oh my God, if I was your wife, I don't know what the, I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't even, sorry. I just, I, I just started feeling weird. <laughs> No, if I if I was your wife, I would be like, I'd be like, you know, I've I've heard it all before. You know, she's she's yeah. in her chair, she's not walking around, you know, and I'd be thinking, you know, you know, get, I'll take a shot at that. You know, give me what do you, what do you got? You know, I mean, yeah. I don't think, you know, you maybe the barrier to some of these experimental things might start to come down. And you say, Well, you're gonna you're gonna try to build muscle back up and it's just gonna go away. Well, I don't know that. But I well, predict it. I'm going to check in animals, but people might be up for it. So I, I, I think that 
this landscape might change in regards to some of these kind of non-Ducks 4 targeted there. So I think we're going in two directions. Okay. We have a whole bunch of people that are trying to shut down Ducks 4, and then there's going to be this new group or, you know, maybe a fringe group that is going to be trying to build back muscle. And part of the idea is to combine the two. But the other part of the idea is what if that build back muscle group beats out everybody? What if you build it back? And so what if you, you know, now I'm, yeah. I'm just concerned that exactly what you said, it, it, it might not work so well, but just because something might not work, doesn't mean you don't try it. No, I mean, we never do anything, but. And, and, and then I've had this conversation with Dr. Wubbles when I talked to Ryan, Doctor, I'm going to put words in his mouth uh, and paraphrase, but. He, I think the impression I get from him, if you can stop Ducks 4 rebuilding muscle, there's a lot of options. But yes. until you do that, until you do that, you're going to go up and you're going to go down. You're up and you're down. And it, that, that, that's from his studies research. Better than nothing, really but knows. that's still not healthy. But nobody really knows. You know, and that's my right. prediction as well. Because, you know, as my student, so of course he's going to. You know, so, but the idea is that you know, muscle is highly regenerative. But also, you know, different people are going to have different amounts of pathology. We yes. really don't know if you can reverse, if anything can stop the muscle pathology. You know, once a muscle, it's really funky in FSHD. You can have a healthy muscle right next to a muscle that's pretty much, you know, gone fibrotic on, um, you know, as you can see this on these MRIs. And so we don't know why one is that way versus the other. And um, you don't know if you can ever you know, recover that one, that, that's still kind of a question. And so can you recover it naturally? Can you reverse that? And is there anything you can do with cell therapy? Are there any drugs? But the thing is, this is a huge area of research because this is a problem for all the muscular dystrophies, right? At just um, FSHD, you know, because it's toxic gain of function, um, a little bit different than some of the others. Um, but, but you still have the fundamental problem. If you have a, a totally fatty fibrotic muscle or an atrophied muscle that's essentially gone, can you ever get that back? And that's, to me, that's essentially a different, I look at these as kind of two separate questions. And so, we, you know, our lab focus is primarily on shutting down Ducks 4, because I still think you got to do that. Right, good. Well, if you have a healthy muscle cell, if I understand correctly, and you shut down Ducks 4, that healthy muscle cell can stay healthy and it can right. increase Presumably, growth. Yeah. If you get rid of Ducks 4, you get rid of a lot of the problems. You may not get rid of all of them but you get rid of the big thing, the biggest problem. Right. So now you're just back to having a dystrophic muscle and you're saying, can we recover strength in a dystrophic muscle? Um, if, if ducts four is all shut down systemically and you got that off, now it's a matter of you're not going to get worse. You have your native stem cell population can still can start building muscle back up if you depend on how you are. Yeah, you, have a, you still have your muscle stem cells, presumably in most of these but you have a you have a bad environment in some of these muscles, um, and so the question would be, what do you got to do to get these back? And I think that is what um, the guys at Solve are really interested in because they're looking at this is the same problem you have with aging, except for the dystrophic, you know, the, the unhealthy environment. But sort of this idea of can are there technologies out there to help you build the build back? And again, for, I'm still saying thinking I still think you got to shut down Ducks Four. They're saying maybe you do, maybe you don't. We'll find out, but but I don't I don't really care in that respect. I just like I love the idea that people are addressing this issue of, um, I would I would say that you don't have to do things, um, sequentially. You can do things in parallel. Shutting down ducks for research programs are going. Build back muscle programs are going, 
And those can probably go with or without shutting down Ducks 4. I just think it's much better if you do shut down Ducks 4. I'm not sure if they'll work if they don't, but I don't know that. And so um, the technology, I, I just like these two things going and, and then you put them together. And that to me is what gets you what I would consider the cure. And now you, 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 and you kind of dove into, and I'll go back to, I mentioned this earlier. I always felt like not just be, yes, I'm passionately involved because of my son, but I'm like, we're going to learn more about this disease with young people because they can still regenerate muscle better. More like this is me playing like I have a PhD. I mean, the only science I really have any comprehension of really is fire science. I'm good at that, but or for getting better. But <laughs> I hate to say, hey, I hate to say I'm good because then you sound arrogant. But there's things I really like. I can understand that. But I'm like, young people respond so much quicker. They bounce back. They are still developing, can develop muscle. I understand that under, let's say, the age of 18, until somebody's done growing, you've got to be careful because you're messing with so much body chemistry. But that's, that's and for those, that's why I've always felt like we need to pay attention to young people because we're going to learn some things from them. That's my own personal opinion. I can't prove that with scientific research like you would or wouldn't. That's, I, like I said, that's a biased opinion that I still very strongly feel on that. I completely agree with you, actually. I think, hey, all right. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, it's just, and you know, when you ask people about it, they say, oh, we just don't have enough natural history data in kid people under 18. That's what they tell you. That's what, that's what the fulcrum people said when they were asked that. Why aren't there people under 18? And you say, oh, why aren't there people over 65? I know you don't care about that. But <laughs> so, no, I, I care no, about I all that. Actually, no, I, I think that, you know, um, it's somewhat arbitrary why these are chosen. It's, there's nothing. There's nothing illegal about doing under 18, and I think you're exactly right. The the better if the goal is to find people that are going to be responsive to the. I mean, the goal is, in my opinion, the goal of a clinical trial should be: does the treatment work? Does the therapy give yes. you benefit? Does it do through the? Does it do what it's supposed to do? You know, and so that's what you're testing, and so that's what you want to find. So it's 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 you know, I, I think that some of these, you know, teenagers would be fantastic for some of these trials because they're typically, you know, again, you, now again, you're going to have two different things with kids because you have infantile, which could almost be categorized as a different disease. You have the yeah, severe okay. hearing, you have the really short contract, you know, um, alleles, you have other manifestations and that could kind of complicate some things, but you have a lot of your classic FSHD1 individuals, well, like your son, who manifesting disease, you know, 10, 11 years old. And, and that, you know, one, that's a great spot to have the intervention. Yes. You know? um, because yes. they still have a lot of muscle and they're still functioning, but you can still measure benefit. And they may actually would be better responders because of the re regeneration potential. And exactly. just a lot of things, they're less likely to have confounding. They're not gonna have diabetes likely. And I, you know, I'm not the, I'm just saying they're less likely to have yes. other issues as you get older as i get older i have other issues sure you know and so so i i but you know i'm not i can't speak for the trials you know to tell you the truth but um that's the kind of thing i think should be discussed in my opinion and you know at these um patient events and they're not going to touch it what and is, i wish what, they would and it makes well, what is the I, you want you want you want maybe the trial should be 12 yeah. years and older and if they say we don't have the information between 12 and 18 then i would say get the information I was preaching that five or six years ago, and I was oh, I I talked to many different people at society. That's the place to get to gather that information. That's why I went with them. Yeah, but they just and, plug their ears when you have ideas. 
they have a, they, they don't even have a plan to make a plan to get a plan. And I'm <laughs> like, like, they don't. And it made me like, man, just write a check. I'm like, oh, don't tell me there's just a thousand. I don't care how many few, you. Okay, I think I think they're important to learn for to for all of us. I think we're going to learn something from them, but there's not enough of them, and it takes time and effort. And I'm just I that that was one of my real beefs is don't don't tell me how we're thinking about it. We're thinking about it, and three years later we're still thinking like no. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they don't have a plan to make a plan to even get to a plan. They don't. So that that one really drove me nuts. I'm going to ask you about your drug drugs. Um, and I go, you know, you're, you've mentioned one of your podcasts that the first drug usually isn't the best drug, but it's the best we got now. So we go forward. So Peter, why don't you just go forward? It's better than let's go in of one in of none. So it's an interesting sort of thing is you're doing drug development. Um, well, we do, we're doing gene therapy, right? Right. And um, yeah, it's an interesting, because you say, you know, you, you go through and you get something that works. You're like, oh, let's tweak this. And then something else, can you tweak that? And it acts a little better. And then you got to deliver it with a, you know, well, this a new AAV, myo AAV came out. Okay, oh, well, now we want to look at that. And well, the thing is, if you spend all your time looking at the next thing, you end up never going to clinic with what you exactly. got. Even if, so what you got might not be perfect, probably not. And things can always get better, but the question is, is, is it a good enough shot on goal? Is it a good, you know, is it worthwhile? Do you think that this will actually, so that's the decision you have to make at what point, because you have to go through and do all of your preclinical studies for IND enabling studies. So you have to do a. What's INDA enabling. Right. So, so, and so an IND is an investigational new drug. And that is something you have to submit um, all of your data to the FDA. So Every experiment we've done in our lab, and everyone's going to be the same, or pharma or whatever, you have to do it with the exact same batch of drug or therapy or virus or anything that you're going to take to clinic. So, So every experiment I've done in the lab, not a single one of those is going to be able to be used for an application to the FDA to go to clinical trial because we haven't made it the the, um, high enough regulated quality of virus um, to do it because that takes a huge amount of money. So we do all of our preclinical stuff in the lab and we say, okay, now we're, now we're going to get to something that we say, this is, this is our um, construct, our virus that we want to take to clinic. Now we have to remake everything at right. a, in a large amount with a huge amount of money and then redo all the study. We have to redo the mouse studies. You have to redo the cell culture studies. You have to now take this and do toxicology studies. Gee whiz. And, and so you have to do everything with that virus and have enough left that you're going to go and take that into to the patients. So that what that does the actually, fast tracking do then? I mean, you, you read fast tracking this, fast tracking that, and they're fast tracking because it's rare disease. Does that remove any of those? I think the fast tracking is more in the FDA evaluation of these types of things. And it also might be, you know, there are some certain whether things are coming through an academic lab versus a pharma pharma company. You get some different um, questions maybe from FDA or different level of scrutiny, different expectations. Um, you know, yeah. they, I think they always want to make sure everything is safe. I think that's the number one priority sure. from FDA. By all means. Yeah, is safety. Um Efficacy is sometimes can be hard to know. That's why I guess that's why you're doing the trial is because of efficacy. So you, you make your case to say that our therapeutic 
as is efficacious based on all of this data. This exact batch is efficacious based on this data and is safe based on this data and worthwhile. We will, you know, that we've done everything we can to suggest this will have therapeutic benefit. And actually in Fulcrum's defense, they did that with Lasmopamod. Yeah. Everything that they did preclinical and IND enabling suggested that it would be, it would work by shutting down Ducks 4. You do the clinical trial and again, we couldn't, it didn't look to me like it shut down Ducks 4, but again, there was some clinical benefit. But so, so you're not beating the system that way, but you're, but it, it's tough, right? It's, uh, it's, um, so this gets to some of the time you say, you know, time constraints, but they want to make sure that exactly what you're going to put in patients is safe and me and has these sort of um, preclinical efficacious benefits based on whatever it is that you're measuring. How long does it take to test efficacy then? It sounds like it could take forever. But I mean, at what point do you have you, how long do you have to test efficacy until you're like, okay, we got it good enough. We're not going to kill anybody. We're not going to damage so the heart and the liver and we're going to go. There's two different things is efficacy and durability. So efficacy, I think you can see pretty quickly. And that's what we've shown. We've done, you know, we look at our, if we take our gene therapy, put it into a human xenograft mouse, and we see the ducts floors shut off pretty good within a month. And that's, that's efficacy that the, 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 the virus, you know, it works. Um, now, how long does that last? You say, well, does it last 12 years? Well, you have to wait 12 years to find out. You yeah. know? And so, so durability is a bigger and that's a bigger mystery. And that's how, when you get your clinical trial, you're able to, um, that's why they keep follow-up studies, right? After, after you get, even, even after something is approved, they're still are going to be following and tracking people. Oh, really? Okay. To see what goes on. Yeah. Well, for, they're looking for negative things, right? But also positive things, durability of effect, but they're also always, you hear about drugs getting recalled or, you know, taken off you know, it's possible that everything goes through the clinical trial, you go to market, and then people find out, well, you know, if you're on this thing for five years, actually, it turns out you have X happening, or Y, you know, and, and there's no way people would have known that was, hopefully, there's something. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you never know what people know and don't know sometimes, but. All right. Well, so it's, so it's a tough, you know, I mean, you know, it sounds like we're banging on flow. It sounds like we're, you know, they are, you know, so the good news about being the first one in clinic is, you know, everyone's excited. The bad news is it's easy to play Monday morning quarterback and say, my, my concern is that all the data is out there and it just, I have the same concern as you that it, you know, it's not doing what they told us it was going to do. Yeah. And again, I'm not, not disappointed. I am disappointed in the results. Yeah. Um, and my, my sole focus drive desire, me and my family is stop ducks for yep. until we do that. We haven't, we haven't accomplished anything. We don't Absolutely. need we, we don't we don't need a band-aid we need to stop the bleeding completely yep and and we're not there we're not there right now uh but how okay back how long does it take to test the, the efficacy the durability is an ongoing thing but how long because it's not like you got to do it in small amounts okay we found the one or two or three options that work and now we do it in larger amounts how long does that process take to see okay this is if this is good enough to submit information to the fda to go forward yeah, that's a tough one. That's, um, you know, it's... I want specifics. <laughs> well, it's, it's less time than you actually think, actually, because, again, you don't have to show the durability of the effect. I think, right. honestly, you could, I, I think you could put together a whole IND enabling, you know, package in, in six months, you know, or, or even less, you know, it's depending on where you are. I mean, because actually, you, let's say you have, and this is where 
something like lesmopa, these repurposed drugs, or something, you know, let's say these muscle building technology that are coming that are already FDA approved for other indications, um, that right. can actually go pretty fast because you're basically, in fact, I'm not even sure you have to show that it's going to have benefit. I think the main thing you have to show for some of those things is that they're safe. There's been no adverse effects. It's been an X number of people. And, um, you know, it's, it's questionable how much, I'm not sure that like ACE 83, I'm not sure how, I honestly don't know. I was not part of that. I'm not affiliated with Acceleron in any way. Um, but I'm not sure how much proof they had that this would give therapeutic benefit in FSHD. What I think they were able to say is this is a safe drug that builds hypertrophic muscle fibers, which means bigger muscles. And it did exactly what we kind of expected it would do. It built really bigger fibers and you didn't get any really great increase in strength though. Um, so you can actually go pretty pretty quickly, I think. I think the bigger concern would be it's the economics of- Okay, so once after the six months, but right now, is it fair to make the assumption, we know what happens when you assume, but the assumption that if I have good data in six months, there's enough pharmas that are involved and interested that you can get somebody to take a bite and go with it. Is that safe to do now? Well, well, now it all depends on what you got, right? It's just, right. Um, so, you know, like I said, Antisense has been around since 2000. Antisense against the Dux4 polyadenylation area, which is a, a prime target, has been around and shown to work <laughs> now more than 10 years ago. And, you know, that is not in clinic. And so, you know, I'm not, I honestly don't know what the problem is. It could be okay. a to toxicology profile. So, so that becomes, you know, so it gets down to there's, there's manufacturing, there's dosing. Um, there's, you know, getting, I think the trick with antisense is, um, you know, getting enough of it specifically into the muscle, as opposed to going to getting all sucked up by your liver or other tissues, getting enough right. into your muscle and having a non- you don't want to trigger an immune response. There's just so many, I think things, things come up during these. The reason that you do all of these studies is because you don't know that it's safe and going to work until you do it. So maybe you do everything right and show all the efficacy in the world. Then you put it into your non-human primate and dude yep. kills over, you know? Okay. Now, one thing I've always wondered from a distance and it definitely doesn't fit your life. I'll, I'll say this real quickly. Um, going out, to University of Nevada, Reno, and uh, visiting you and Dr. Robles is awesome. You guys are really receptive to patients and talking to them and get to know them. And it's kind of cool to go in a lab when you got a whole bunch of people that are strictly focused on working on the biggest problem you have in your life. They're not messing around. They're not doing anything else. It's just FSHD. And it's neat to talk to them. And I, and I kind of got the perception that it was kind of good for them because they spent so much time in lab now they actually are dealing with the people that they're really trying to help that they don't run across very much other than they probably see Dr. Wobbles fairly often. And like it, it, there's a real, but he becomes a colleague. So I, I think it benefits both. So if you get a chance to go out there, do it sometime. Um, and it's beautiful out there. Holy cow. That we, such we gorgeous love having people come to the lab. Um, we might snap a little bit of skin, um, get, there you some go. Blood, get some blood. I think we got your skin, right? We got a little yep. bit. Sure. Yep. Skin, blood. There's, there's parts of me going to live forever in your lab somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere. And no, we got, uh, you're immortal. You're in two places at once. Yeah, exactly. Um, that is actually true. Um, no, yeah, no, we love having people come out. Um, and again, we want to listen to what's important to, to patients and, and we, it's important for me to have my people 
see the people that they're working to help, why they're coming in every day, everybody, and just you know put a put a face on the test tube, so to speak, yeah. or the DNA. And um, but really, it is to listen and to educate. We hope that you're able. We can talk to. Like I said, it's you know it's, it's always great you know talking with you guys and hearing your perspective. Every time something's in the news, you send me an email. Yeah. And I love, you know, and it's like, these are, this is your perception of what's going on. You're like, what is this? Is this a breakthrough or not? Right. And that's one of the, a lot of things aren't. And, um, but I'm going to ask you, so your lab, totally focused, motivated, great people enjoy it. How many people in academia are really, I wonder some, are they really focused on a cure or are they just focused on impressing their other colleagues, getting approval from their colleagues, getting tenure and but really, we're going to, I mean, you guys work in, you work in a lot of, all of your people, they work a lot of hours. I mean, sometimes write email and it's, I've, I've, you've emailed me back at four in the morning, you've emailed me back at midnight and the rest of your people. How many labs are like that? And how many are just punching the clock, doing time, doing research and enjoying academia mm -hmm. life? You know, I, you know, I don't want to, I, you know, I can't speak for it. I'm, I, I know would, I just put you in a bad spot, but that's I would say that every you know we've been in four plate. We've been at the University of Illinois, we've been Boston Biomedical Research and we've been at UMass Medical School, and now we're here. Every place is a little bit different. You know, the thing is you're just gonna it's just like anything else. People have their passions. We we actually I think everybody will tell you they're trying to cure FSHD, and they may actually be trying to do that. And you know, and everyone has a different way of doing it. People have families, people have different things. So I, I don't want to like knock some things. But I, I do think that there's different, you know, so sometimes, you know, you, you, so where does basic research come in? You don't, you don't have to actually, so I'm always talking about a path to clinic. That is our choice. I, I look at it as how you, how you are setting yourself up. You know, we do diagnostics, you know, so we're, that's what we're doing. We actually developed a diagnostic and we're doing diagnostics. We're doing what we said. We want to have a therapy. We want to develop gene therapy and small molecule therapies for FSHD. And so, you know, that's what we're doing with a mind of path to clinic. I think it's fine for lab, there are lab, plenty of labs that just want to do some basic muscle biology, basic stem cell biology, with the idea that if you contribute to the knowledge base, that, that um, eventually that knowledge can be used to generate something else, which eventually gets to clinic. I, you know, and there's actually, you know, everything starts in this basic biology and basic science type of thing. Um, where I get it run go kind of nuts is when some of this says, and then we'll have, you know, well, you see this in grants all the time and give me a hundred thousand dollars two years from now, we'll have a cure for FSHD. And it's like, you know, you just, you just spin and BS, you know? Yeah. I think it's, you should just be able to be honest and say, we're, we're going to figure out pathogenic mechanisms because that's going to help us at the next step, which is going to help us at the next, maybe it's going to lead to a biomarker. Maybe it's going to lead to us understanding what to look for when the cure is there. Maybe it's going to lead to a whole new pathway and understanding of muscle biology that is that is misregulated that we didn't know. So I'm a big fan of doing doing the different things and different people have different ways. I you know it is true where you got to remember we we got we don't have lives, man. You know us. Yeah, um, I know. My people don't have lives, but but I like the fact. You know, I'm very picky with my people. Everybody is incredibly passionate about FSHD research. They love doing it. I pride myself that I've never had to ask, tell anyone they're not working hard enough, never have to bug anyone about coming in. Um, but I can't speak for other labs. I, I, I know personally, I know other researchers are very passionate. Okay. 
I got to tell you, though, there's labs even on our corridor where I hear the kids out in the hall saying, man, it's fourth, third, man, they can't wait to go home. They hate their, now they're working at FSHD, but they hate their job. They hate their, I think there is a lot of academia that it is a cushy life. Once you get tenure, I'm telling you, man, people are like, I made, I made it. And they have a cushy lifestyle. They're going fishing. They're going hiking. I swear to God, this place is empty on Friday and most <laughs> of Monday. It's like a three. And we just kind of joke. Yeah, I think that, but that's not the FSHD crowd. And, and I feel sorry for those people. I think maybe they feel like they've had success. I might going to get in trouble. If I, I don't doubt anyone motivated enough to read the, listen to the podcast. But I feel sorry for people that just look at it as, wow, you can basically just cruise. Now, I, I actually am for the abolishment of tenure. I think you should oh, wow. always have to prove your worth. I think you should always have to be, have the, I think the idea of taking the foot off the gas is horrible in science. And I'll tell you though, when we were at UMass Medical School and I bashed them a little bit on something, man, people there work their butts up, man. But you know what? They're working to cure disease. They, they, are, they are just the competitive. So I think there's an environment. It's really lab to lab. Your I lab, say, you can definitely pick that up. I, I will say there are a lot of really great labs working on FSHD, um, but not all of them. <laughs> all right so sorry i just don't want to throw anyone under the bus no no i don't want you to throw any i i just i've always been curious how much of it is just to get tenure and enjoy a lot of it is to get tenure. i'll tell you i I will tell you just flat out when i was in illinois my friends that got tenure um you know one of them is still running a great lab the other people are basically just they're just taking up space dead wood you know i mean that is just and you can see it coming and that's why tenure is a bad thing I'm not for everybody, but a lot of people just let the foot off the gas. It's like you've made it relax. And we always look at it as I, tenure shouldn't matter. If tenure in sciences should not matter. You should always be getting grant. If you want to be a researcher and you want to be doing research, you should always be able to get, get grants, publish, be productive. And I'll tell you, I've told them here this same thing. When we're not productive anymore, I don't need tenure because when we're not productive, I'm more than happy to shut the lab down because I don't want to be just taking up space. That's not how I want to run. But I, I guarantee you, there's a lot of people that don't have that attitude. Do labs share information? I mean, if, and I've always wondered how much you probably don't share everything because you're played, somebody's going to screw it up or sabotage it. But a lot of it is tax funded, paid or one way or the other, somehow or another. So if collectively as a country, I'm talking about the United States, the funds are being paid through tax dollars, shouldn't a lot more of that information be shared? Well, you know, it comes down to, well, first off, not everybody, you know, it's, it, I understand that mentality. People are like, are my tax dollars are paying for this research. It should all be made publicly available. I actually understand that freedom of information. I just think it gets us to a cure quicker. It actually, I think would, that, that is what people think. And I understand that. I, I actually don't think that. Why? Well, because one, there's a lot of dishonest people out there. So a lot of, you know, you'd say, well, who cares? You know, if everyone, um, bottom line, if I share all my information, very rare, we, we find a lot of stuff is one directional. People, oh yeah, oh, yeah, yes. share, let's all share information. You go and you share your information and you actually don't get anything back from, you know. Um, so you're saying hypothetically, if everyone actually did, I, I think what it comes down to is you have to pick who you're going to collaborate with. You have to be very careful sense. and make sure you're like, like-minded and likely aligned. We have had very bad experiences with some groups. On the other hand, I counted up the other day, there's 17 groups around the world that we work with and we share data on certain projects. We help them, they help us. And we have collaborations. We have, I think, count up 17 collaborations with other you know, groups. Um, 
there are probably three groups that I would never work with ever again under any circumstance and never will. And that right. is because, you know, they just flat out burned us. And frankly, I don't even want to work with people that work with those groups. Um, but people kind of know, know how this works. Um, and there are just some groups that work well together and some don't. I mean, they're different expertise. So, you know, just because I collaborate with group X, they may collaborate with group Y. That doesn't mean I have to collaborate with group Y. I mean, you know, they have different experts. And so, so yeah, this all ends up actually happening, but it's not public. It's all, it's everything is still confidential. You trust who you trust. And the okay. goal, you know, the, the, the other thing about it that I think is really important has been a huge problem in FSHD, independent validation of results. You know, group X working completely independently and group Y working independently, do they get the, you know, it's actually great if you get the same result. Yeah. And that happens so rarely. And if you're all oh. working together, you don't have any, everybody starts kind of get groupthink. And I think groupthink is a disaster in science. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I, I, I understand that you answered. I always wish they shared more, but that makes sense why that probably would not be a good idea at all. Well, you know, you got to share it to the degree. And once you publish, once you publish, you got to share. And we share reagents. Now there's different levels of sharing. There's sharing tools. Yes. So that is needs to be better. We share our mice. We share. We're going to share. Yeah. Things. We share cells. Cells have not always been wildly accepted. So the different the sharing reagents and tools to do things, so you don't get in the way. I think that should be that has to. That is to me. Yes, you got to share all of that. The data okay. you get from it, you know, you publish it, and then people can validate it and reproduce it. And I think that eventually does kind of come out and get and get shared. All right. So. Um. I really, to be honest, I didn't have a lot more questions. This went, I don't know how long it went, but it was, I always sure enjoy talking right. to you, picking your brain and getting after it. Um, I wanted, and I want to say this, I am not, there are some people I think the fulcrum drug will help. And I'm not bashing it. No, I the know. only I thing that if, if it stops Ducks 4 drugs from going to trial, I'm going to be really upset. If it's going to hinder that, that upsets me because this drug will affect, I think, a small percentage. We need something that the, the network needs to be for all. And I don't care about treatment by such and such. It needs to be a cure. We need no, a cure. I actually agree uh, with you. Um, I honestly, I have my belief. I believe that it will not end up getting in the way because I think we're going to start, at least for the first couple, because we're going to start identifying enough people um, to be, we don't have enough yet, but I think there will be enough people to man or to, to populate the, I should say, populate the uh, clinical trial, another couple clinical trials, depending on their size. Um, and so I, I ho I'm hopeful that this will not be a problem. Um, you know, I don't think they're going in. You know, I think the field would say, hey, we're going to have plenty of people. I, we, we don't right now. We don't have enough people for clinical trials. Let's say if we have 10, let's say it's going to take 10 clinical trials in the next five years. Well, because we're going to do four and four and four, right? There's always four coming. All right, um, yeah. We don't have enough. There are not enough people that are going to fit that. We couldn't we couldn't do that right now. And so that, I think that is why there is a huge push. Um, and again, this FSH Society is pushing for this. The Solve FSHD, I think, is going to be pushing for this, you know, to try to get people, you know, to, to get into that. You know, Fulcrum, if, if you just look at it and say, Fulcrum's going to have 230 people. They're going to have 80 that have been on the drug, 230 more. You're really talking about 310. If you just said those 310 are just out, you, you know what? I still think you're going to be able to, to populate a, key, a few more 
Okay. Um, trials, but you got we got to ramp that up. We definitely got to ramp up um, the clinical trial readiness of the population of the people interested in doing it that are going to be uh, um, viable candidates. Viable candidates to do it. I think. Um, yeah. And again, it doesn't have to. You know, people there should not be pressure put on anybody to do it. Frankly, because you know, some people might want to wait until there's something better coming on because. I mean, I can't say what I would do. Um, you can say what your, you know, I don't know. You can see what your wife and son would want to do, but I, I got to want an anti ducks for If it's not ducks for, they're not, they're not interested. Period. See, I mean, yeah. That, so that's, that's, you know, that's a, but that's what I call an informed decision. Right. Right. That's why I want to say. That's why Sawyer won't do the albuterol. He wants something that stops ducks for. Yeah. So, so to me, that's, you know, that's a personal choice. And I look at it as, um, but that has to be informed because I think what will happen if people don't actually know and people get on and then they find out, what do you mean? This isn't what I expect. So, you know, you know, if you're out there and you're thinking, look, um, I know it doesn't stop ducks for, but it does give clinical benefit. And frankly, I'm, I, you know, it's slowed down the disease. I'm out. That's good for me. If, you know, so that's a personal choice. People are going to say, fine, there's clinical benefit. You know, I'm sick of getting worse. I'm going to try this and I'm going to see if this, because yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe it, maybe it stops progression for a long time. We have no idea how long this is going to be. So maybe that's good for other people. So to me, it just is a matter of informed choice and saying, what is the, what is the, the, the high, you know, the, the, um, the potential benefit versus, you know, it's a, the different potential for the different treatments. So, so I just want people to be informed on what's going on, make their choices. I hope that the fulcrum trial gets, enrolled fully. I don't think it would have any trouble getting that, but I really hope we have people for these future trials that hopefully are coming sooner than one to two years. Uh, you bet. You bet. So I, I just wanted to clarify that because I know that oh, I, know. I got pretty worry. passionate on that. I didn't want to think I'm all against it. I'm like, that's, that's it. You know, we if used we... to have freedom of expression in this, uh, in this country. So I don't know if uh, <laughs> I may, I may find out that I got a post a note on my door when I come in one of these days, it says you're out of here. I've offended somebody. Um, so really not you. No, <laughs> it's okay. I'm just going to identify differently. So it's, you know, it's, uh, we, we got, we, we, we got our ways around everything. Yeah. So now you got to be careful what you say. And, but no, I, I, to me, um, I think I just speak my mind, you know, you know, me, I've always speak from the heart, always yeah. speak my mind. I'm free to disagree with me. I'm happy to have a discussion with anybody as long as we can have a discussion. We never hopefully get in shouting matches and I hopefully never just get shut down. I wouldn't shut down anybody in here there. I'm here I'm interested in everybody's opinion. Your opinion, I think is, I, I like your opinion because it's the opinion probably of the people out there that feel like no one will listen to them. You know, I, I mean, mean, I appreciate that. Thank you. And I, and I hope as we did this, uh, people were feeling like, okay, that's what I wanted to ask. Something along those lines that that's what I want to know about. That's what I want to hear. That's what I'm hoping. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're going to hopefully keep trying to touch on these things on the podcast. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I think you'd be a great co-host sometime when we talk with other people, you know, give the, uh, I, you know, I don't, you know, just, you know, I'm, I'm a, just a science nerd too much sometimes. And so, you know, I don't want to be arrogant enough to say, I know what you would be asking somebody. So, you know, some, maybe, maybe you'll join me sometimes on a, as a co-host when we talk with some of these people and you can ask the, the, the really relevant questions instead of the yes. science questions. I <laughs> the really relevant questions. Yes. When are we going to trial? That's all I want to know. When are we going to market? Peter, quit oh, talking to, to me and get back to work in the lab. We need the drugs now. 
Drugs, all right, man. Drugs. Go put out go put out the fires, man. I mean that literally, I guess. <laughs> it's all right. Well, I, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate the time. I hope the people enjoyed it. Um, but I always love talking to you. Uh, yep. it's great. give my best to the family and um, I will do so. You know, and um have the Huskers been eliminated from Big Ten contention yet? Oh. Not yet, but they gosh, I'm disappointed. Now we're just gonna mm. end on a sour note. So uh, did, no, did, they, did they you need and RV know, did, did we take care of Oregon State? No, it, oh, man. there was at one point, it was about to be 10 run rule, Oregon State over Nevada. And then or, Nevada just took off and started crushing and ended up, I think one game was, they lost 13 to 12. Oh, man. Then the next game, they lost nine to eight. So Oregon State. I, I really wanted to go over there. I thought that would be a good one. Anyway, sorry. I just kind of, I kind of forgot. Uh, I just got, we got what time we lose track of time. All right, man. Really appreciate you taking the time and I give my best to everybody. All right. Catch you later. Yeah, take right. care. Take care, Peter. Bye. All right, Brad, thanks a lot. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your evening to, to sit down and talk with us and um, ask some good questions. I think questions a lot of people have on their mind. Uh, you know, I'm always a little bit shy about talking about our lab. And so, <laughs> you know, I hate to, we do work awfully hard and I got the best people in the world. I know you know that. And uh, But uh, I, I don't know. I just, you know, we're, we're a little shy talking about uh, the lab too much. But um we appreciate your appreciation i guess i can say that anyway uh you guys gotta get back out here brad you know come on bring the gang bring the family back on out this summer we'll get some more lake trout up on tahoe you know and then there's this you know there's great you, you can never see the same area twice you can just spend spend forever going around to new areas around here new lakes new um new paths to kind of go on a lot of them are accessible so uh you know get out here and uh we'll sit on the patio and then uh pick your brain maybe we can do one live this summer that'd be fantastic uh all right everybody i gotta get going um it's freaking snowing out <laughs> that's right so this morning i woke up just i know we're kind of going i got i talked about this morning i woke up go outside and I hear this humming. It's like, Brr, you know, it's the hummingbirds, you know. They're just sitting around. What's going on? Well, the hummingbird feeders were frozen. Absolutely, totally frozen. It froze last night. And we got about a foot of snow up in Tahoe. And we're going to head home uh, a little early tonight. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm still grilling out, though. You know, we never stop grilling out. Anyway. Catch us uh, Saturday. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the Solve FSHD meeting and some fun stuff, especially after just, you know, going again with uh, our conversation with Brad. It's actually kind of funny. I got some funny stories that I think will play in really well with uh, Brad just talked about. Fulcrum was there. A lot of um, lot of uh, pharma companies were there. And, you know, we had a really good discussion about how long is it going to take someone to get to trial get to clinic and what that really means so anyway tune in on saturday it'll be short um but you are stuck with just me talking and uh then next week uh we'll have another guest and i'm you know i'm trying to line up i got so many people want to go but i got I just got to fit it in my schedule and fit their schedules and we'll have something really cool going so hope you all have a good rest of your week and you know keep keep sending your ideas and any comments uh and oh by the way <laughs> this really is good for the ego because the comments that are coming in everyone's like we want more jenny and we want more kate okay so <laughs> so i need that actually keep me humble man i love it i actually really appreciate that y'all love jenny and kate 
and we are going to give you more Jenny and Kate because they did a fantastic job and people just the number one the number one favorite recording is the Alexandra Bellyev interview and so you know maybe we're going to bring her back we'll bring her back and then pump her mind a little bit more all right we'll catch you all later bye